Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you today, whether you are here on site with us or online. And I'm really excited to be continuing, or sorry, kicking off this brand new series called Squad Goals. My name is Alex, and I'm the student minister here at Andover Baptist Church, and it's a privilege to be speaking to you all today. And to start this new series, all about building good and healthy relationships, I'm going to be looking at what I think is possibly one of the most important, but possibly the most contested aspect to any relationship, and that is time. And I want to start by asking you all a question, actually a couple of questions this morning. Do you think or do you feel that you have enough time? Do you have enough time? I can see heads are shaking already. Do you have enough time to do the things that you need to do? That's on your to-do list or at work. Do you have enough time to do the things you want to do? (laughs) Some people probably can't even contemplate what that is. (laughs) Do you have enough time for the relationships and the people in your life? I'm guessing for us, actually, that the answer is probably no. We could all do with a bit more time, couldn't we? And that's because we live in a busy world. There are many demands on our time, and we're often going about our business hurried and rushed, busy, distracted. And actually, the trend is that this is only getting worse. Time poverty is a phrase that coins our modern era. But why is that, I wonder? I think it's ironic if we go back 100 years or so, at the beginning of the last century, predictions were made that future generations would enjoy things like reduced working hours and increased leisure time, all thanks to developments in industry, science and technology. What fantastic predictions they must have been. Sadly, we know sitting here today, 100 years on, those predictions didn't come true, did they? In fact, the opposite seems to be the case. We are busier than ever. Our workloads are higher, and we have less available time for things like relationships. And actually, the reason for that is because of all those incredibly positive and good advances in things like technology, because it feels like we're trying to keep up with the pace of modern technology, rather than using it wisely to enrich our lives and to perhaps be more efficient with our time, as those century-old predictions have thought. Current generations are now facing a crisis of distraction, with the ever-growing domain of social media and the virtual world wearing down people's capacity to pay attention and to build deep and lasting relationships with others. Last year, uh, many people in our church community read a book that was called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer, who's an American Christian leader. I wonder if you are someone who read that book last year. I can't remember if it was a year ago or so. I'm going to ask you, have you gone back to that book? Have you gone back and read it again? Because it's a fantastic book. And I realized this week I haven't gone back because ironically I've been too busy, (laughs) too rushed, But I went back to it this week in preparation for the talk today, and I realized that I needed to do this because there's some fantastic wisdom in it, and I'd kind of forgotten some of the great lessons that are in that book. I love that John Mark Homer tackles this issue head on, and he quotes other leaders who say things like this, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. 
or we're distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. And I can only wonder the impact that this is all having on our ability to build and maintain lasting relationships with others. I think it can be easy to think, and he talks about this in the book actually, that the answer to such problem is having more time, is to somehow generate more time, which we know isn't possible, is it? However, the reality is that if we were to have more time each day, it would probably quickly soon get filled up and we would be just as busy as we were before. And that's because the issue isn't about having enough time, it's actually about how we use our time, how we prioritize our time. There's a diagram I want to show you that's coming up on the screen in a moment, which I think is really interesting. It was put together by the World Health Organization in 2020, and it's just got some statistics looking at how the average person spends their time. So this is over an average lifespan of about 72 years, I believe. Working hours aren't included, but it's estimated we spend a third of our life working. So if you look at the bottom line there, 26 years, five months spent sleeping. It's probably similar time to working. Not much we can do about sleep because we need it. <laughs> so next up on the list, we spend an average of eight years, four months watching TV. Six years, eight months on social media. An average of three years, seven months eating and drinking. Again, that's important, isn't it? Two years, two months shopping. Then one year, 11 months socializing. That's spending time with others or building relationships, not just uh, in person, is it? And then one year, eight months doing the housework. These are our generalized statistics, aren't they? But what do they tell us? I think that they highlight that this whole issue about time is not about how much time we have, but it is about our priorities. It's pretty clear from these statistics, isn't it, that spending time socializing, building relationships or investing in our relationships is actually pretty low on the priority list, just above doing the housework. <laughs> And let's not forget, too, that socialising, it's not just a physical activity these days. We're really blessed to have great technology, which means we can make a phone call or video call or FaceTime people who might perhaps not live close by. And that's another great way of investing in those relationships. I should also mention that social media and TV are much higher up on the list. And they don't really contribute to building lasting relationships. And that's not to say that social media isn't a valid way of connecting with others. You know, we promote that here at ABC. But there's only so much that social media can do. I think that the one thing social media doesn't do is encourage us to spend quality time with someone. And that's what I want to look at today. So to do that and, and to explore this topic in more depth, I'm going to be looking at a story Today, It's a story that we find in the Bible, in the New Testament part of the Bible. It was written by a man called Luke, and it tells us about an event that takes place in the life of Jesus, so around 2,000 years ago. It kind of happens towards the end of Jesus' earthly life. He's in his early 30s. He's been traveling around for some years now with followers and disciples and teaching them. And he's on his way to the city of Jerusalem where ultimately he will be arrested and sentenced to death. And on his journey, Jesus stops off at a town, a small town called Bethany, where he visits some good friends of his. And we know who they are because they're named. They're called Martha and Mary and their sisters. 
And they also have a brother called Lazarus, who is a close friend of Jesus too. Although on this occasion, in this story, Lazarus isn't mentioned, but that's not to say he isn't there. So let's read how the story goes. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, that's to Jerusalem, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I think this is a powerful story. It's a short story, isn't it? Here we have two very different personality types, if you think about it, in these two sisters, Martha and Mary. Two very different approaches to life and relationships. Before I go on further, because it's quite a well-known story, I just want to say that both of these examples are good. It's not that one is good and the other one isn't. Both of these women were friends of Jesus. I think that's important. It's important that they were named in the Bible because at the time of Jesus' life on earth, culturally, women and children were inferior. or They were thought of as inferior However, these two women are important enough to be named, and that is significant. And in fact, there is other evidence in the New Testament that Jesus might have had women amongst his followers, which again, which was not culturally the norm. You know, religious teachers in those days, Jesus was considered as a religious teacher, would have been men, absolutely, and they would only have had male followers. This could lead on to a whole other talk, something I'm interested in, but I'm not going to go into that today. So back to the story of Martha and Mary. What, I wonder, do we notice from this story? Let's look first at Martha. What does she do? She invites Jesus in, doesn't she? She opens up her home to him. She takes on this sort of hostess role And actually, all of this suggests that she may well have been the oldest sibling in her family. She kind of feels the weight of that responsibility. And maybe she's quite proud of it too, quite rightly. We kind of get this impression of Martha as a kind of active, hospitable, practical person who takes the initiative. But then what happens when Jesus, who is the main guest, comes into the house Martha is off, isn't she? She's busying herself with all the preparations, all the things that need to be done. After all, she now has to prepare a meal for what could have been a quite sizable group of people. Jesus had been on the road traveling with disciples, most likely a group of men or mostly men. So there would have been little or no help for her. The pressure must have been immense. So now let's look at Mary. She also welcomes Jesus into the home. But let's look at what she does when Jesus, the main guest, is there. She is with him, sitting at his feet and listening to him. 
And again, this actually wasn't a culturally acceptable thing for Mary to do. It would have been the custom in those days that the men would have gathered together in one part of the house. The women probably would have been in another part, the kitchen, making preparations where it was their role to do so and serve. What's more, sitting at the feet of a religious leader or rabbi, as Jesus was known, was actually often only the place for that teacher's chosen students. So why is Mary there sitting at his feet listening? She's eager to learn, isn't she? She's eager to listen. We don't know why Mary does this. It may not seem as kind of radical and rebellious as we think, given the culture of the day. Perhaps just because she is a friend of Jesus, Jesus had invited her to sit with him and to sit amongst the men. Maybe that wasn't so unusual amongst Jesus' followers. So let's go back now to Martha. So what has she been doing? She's busy, isn't she? She's in the kitchen preparing, probably incredibly stressed. I wonder if any of us can relate to this scenario. <laughs> she may not have had much help, as already mentioned. And then the one person there that she could have relied on to help her is her sister, Mary. And she is nowhere to be seen. Martha then discovers that not only is Mary not doing anything to help, but she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's with the men. She probably seems calm, relaxed, not appearing to feel the weight of the world on her shoulders like Martha is. And understandably, Martha is not pleased about this. I think this is interesting what she does. She goes directly to Jesus He's like the head guest, the guest of honor. She goes to him with her complaint. Obviously affects her that much. Lord, Lord, she says, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. I was thinking about this, and I think this is almost quite an embarrassing scenario, isn't it? She's the host. These guests have come into a house, and she's so irate that she goes straight to the head guest with her complaint. Imagine how that would have come across. But Martha is frustrated, isn't she? We know how we all get when we're frustrated. She's busy. She needs help. She has to act on this. And she almost seems like she's shaking her finger at Jesus, doesn't it? These are desperate times. I think it's also interesting to note that there is a sense of self-pity in Martha's attitude. Don't you care, Lord, she's saying, isn't she? She might as well say, what about me? Doesn't anyone see all the work that I'm doing? No one helps me. No one cares. I have all this responsibility and pressure on me. It's not fair. I can totally relate to this attitude, if I'm honest. I think I feel this way more often than I would like to admit. I also think often it is self-generated. And in many ways, our world creates far more Marthas than Marys, doesn't it? Well, our Western modern world, anyway. You can't just sit about when there's work to be done. It's seen as lazy. Nobody wants workers like that, do they? Everyone has got to feel the pressure and the weight of responsibility. And there's such high expectations of us in modern society. We've got to be doing more. We've got to be achieving more. Otherwise, we have no value. And this just places more pressure upon us. And as a result, we might well end up like Martha. 
with this kind of accusational and uncompassionate attitude towards others. We probably don't want to behave that way, do we? It's not a great foundation for building healthy relationships. Now, some of us might well be natural activists. You know, we might be doers, and that is good. We can't just sit around. We need to be doing something in life. And that is great because the world needs this type of person. So if that is you, please don't feel disheartened today. But there are times when we need to just sit and be. We need to slow down and listen. And I'm talking to myself here, by the way, just to let you all know. I think what I love here is that Jesus' response to Martha, it's not judgment, it's compassion. Let's listen to his words again. Martha, Martha, he says. You know, he's trying to comfort her, I think. He sees, doesn't he? She's worried, she's upset about many things. She's hurried, she's busy, she's unhappy. There's no peace her. I think Jesus wants Martha to have peace, like Mary, who seems to be in a better place. She has peace and quite possibly joy. And this is why Jesus tells Martha plainly that Mary has chosen what is better. She has chosen the one thing rather than being distracted by the many things. And this is not only better for her, but for everyone around her. Jesus doesn't actually say what the one thing is in this story, but I think it's pretty clear, isn't it, from the text. Mary is choosing to sit at the feet of Jesus. She's choosing, actually, to give her undivided time and attention to her friend and teacher. And I think that this is a great lesson for any relationship. And for those of us who are Christians listening or watching today, there's another really important point here. Let's not forget that Jesus is God. And Mary is choosing to give her time, not just to any human, but to God himself. And that's why it is so significant. She's giving her time to what is important. She's choosing to sit at the feet of God, to humble herself and to listen to him. I wonder how many of us, when was the last time we just sat with someone and listened? When did we sit with God and listen? And actually, to do this is to invest quality time in a relationship. And let's not discount Martha here, because she did invite Jesus in. She opened the door. She opened her home, didn't she, to God himself. And that's really important to acknowledge. She took the initiative and she did spend time with him. But it wasn't quality time. It was distracted time. And again, that's not to say that Martha's role of preparing and doing isn't important because it is. We need that. Because without it, there wouldn't have been a meal. Everyone would have gone hungry. But it appears that it became more important to Martha than spending time with God and spending time with others. And I think it can be so true in life, can't it? I wonder who you relate to more in this story. Is it Martha or is it Mary? And this isn't a gender-specific question, although they're two women in the story. 
I think we both, we all have characteristics of both, don't we? So, but for some of us, we might be much closer to one of these personalities. And if you're watching with us online and you feel quite bold today, why not think about this and put your answer in the live chat if you feel comfortable to do so. Obviously, if you're here in the building, just think this through in your mind. But I'll let you know what my evaluation of myself is. So I thought about this and I think I am a 70% Martha, 30% Mary. That's where I would put myself. People closer to me might dispute this. I'm probably being quite generous there. (laughs) But... As I thought about this, what this means for me is that actually it's difficult for me to just sit and be with others. It's difficult to just sit and be with God, if I'm honest. I can easily be distracted by the many demands of life. I do like a to-do list. I love that feeling of getting things done, getting admin done. But I also recognize that I can waste a lot of my time doing things that aren't really important. My priorities can be a bit wrong. And this means I have less time investing in the things that are important, less time investing in the relationships and the people that are important to me. And what it really comes down to is how we invest our time in the relationships in our lives, isn't it? It is about quality time and not distracted time. Quality time is so important for building good relationships. In a book that's called The Five Love Languages, Chris and I will be talking about this a little bit after the service, uh, the author, Gary Chapman, writes about the importance of quality time. Actually, this is one of the five love languages. And I love what he says. There's a quote in the book that says this, quality time pays for itself in memories. Quality time pays for itself in memories. I love that. I'll bet Mary had a fantastic memory from that day when Jesus, God himself, came into her house and she got to sit at his feet and listen to him. Martha, on the other hand, I suspect, I don't know, it's probably just another busy day where she felt stressed and had too much to do and too little help. I'm not sure that would have made for a very good memory, if one at all. But the truth is, isn't it, as as like the questions I asked at the beginning, it's not easy to find quality time or to make time for that, especially when we feel busy, hurried, rushed. Many of us in the room were shaking our heads when I asked if we feel like we have enough time. So what can we do? Well, I think that one step we can all take... (laughs) is to look at how we spend our time. A bit like those kind of statistics I showed at the beginning. Maybe we could look at how much time we spend watching TV or on social media, on Netflix binges or gaming or whatever it is, YouTube. I wonder if some of this time could be used differently. And that's not denying that we do need to unwind and have time where we're just kind of watching something mindlessly. But could some of this time be used or better spent investing in our relationships with others? And I think another step, just a second step today that we can take is to look at our priorities. How do we prioritize our time? Can we adjust them? And this can be really hard work. Going back to the book I mentioned at the beginning called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Homer's advice in this is really helpful 
he says this, that what we need to do is to slow down and simplify our lives around what really matters. To slow down and simplify our lives around what really matters. I think we see that in the example of Mary from the story today. And if I'm honest, this is really challenging for me personally. John Mark Comer actually also talks about the story of Martha and Mary in his book. And he concludes quite kind of boldly that he thinks God is saying to our generation, just as Jesus said to Martha, that you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. So where do you find yourself today? Are you worried and upset about many things? Are you busy, hurried, and constantly distracted? Are you able to invest quality time in your relationships with others? And if you are a follower of Jesus today, I want to ask you, are you investing in your relationship with him? Are you spending that quality time with God? Because the bottom line is, and I think we see this in the story today, that building a good relationship with God is the best way that we can build good relationships with others. It starts with our relationship with God. I know there's a lot to think about there, and I'll be honest, there's a lot that I'm finding challenging on this topic as I've been thinking about it this week. But maybe I'd just love to pray now, and we can ask God, maybe just to reveal one thing to us in our hearts today. So let's pray together. Loving God, we just, just open our hearts to you now. Father, I don't know, but maybe some of us just want to say to you today, we're sorry that we don't give you that quality time. Maybe some of us are sorry we don't give quality time to the people that matter the most in our lives. And Lord, this isn't because we don't want to, but there are so many challenges in our world it's too easy to be busy and hurried and rushed and distracted. So God, we need your help. Would you just speak to each of us today? And just show us a step that we could take in this area of our lives. Help us to slow down and to simplify our lives around the things that really matter. Amen.